Hello, and welcome to Core Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson, and I'm the founder of Core Women, and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well, you're here for the right reason. However, Core Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity. It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Autumn McKenzie. Autumn is currently working as a physician's assistant at Johns Hopkins Emergency Department. She is a graduate of Colgate University as well as Duke University. She was a Division I student athlete winning back-to-back championships. She is a blogger, a mom, and in 2014 was impacted by a significant loss. Let's get right into your journey, Autumn, and welcome. It is so wonderful to be here, Summer. Thank you for the invitation. It's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the Core Women podcast. Let's talk about your journey. I'm going to let you start because there's so much we can cover here. Your journey is exceptional, and yet you were hit with a significant loss. So wherever you want to start, let's start because, like I said, there's so much to cover. Let's start with a fairy tale ending. Who doesn't love a fairy tale ending? Um, I thought I had mine. I had everything that I had kind of really hoped for as a little girl. I had tremendous schooling. I had an awesome career, found a stellar husband, had two awesome girls, and we took trips internationally. And that was my definition of, you know, life and my fairy tale ending. And everything changed when my husband was diagnosed with late stage lung cancer. And ultimately died and it changed everything for me. So um, moving forward, I, I, found, I found God in a way I never would have otherwise during that time. And um, in that space, I just found a, a piece that I can't even explain to you. But I really believe that it's out of that that I find the courage to speak to people about my journey because I am so grateful for where I am now compared to where I was. Right. Um, and I am grateful for just hope and optimism that I have now at coming from a place where I thought I'd lost everything and everything I had rooted my identity in. And now I see life as endless possibilities. And I do that because, I mean, in part to model for my girls, but that can't be everything because I know plenty of people who can't get it together for anybody. (laughs) And so, and at that time it felt like, gosh, I'm looking at them, but I don't know. But uh, yeah, I stand here a testament of God's love and just want to share my story with the world so that people know that change happens and oftentimes things don't go according to your plan and plan and it doesn't have to be that drastic but if you can get through it and I don't mean around it I don't mean brush it under the rug you have to get through it right there is wonderful things on the other side that I I just I can't describe right well Okay, so I'm, I am going to take you back a little bit because you've, had, you've done so many things, and yes, you were impacted by this great loss, and yet you're, you're working your way through it, and you've done so much, and you've juggled so much, 
So I do want to take you back because you're a woman who has done so much already. And let's go back and let's talk about when was, when was this epiphany? Like I wanted to go into medicine. I want to be an athlete. You know, I want to do all this stuff. Where did you begin as a young woman, as a young girl? Where was this, you know, what inside of you said, I want to, I want to help people. I want to be in the human services arena. Right. Um, I can't really get pinpoint down to the point that where I wanted to be in medicine, but I do remember, you know, for a short period of time, my parents lived on a farm and we had like goats and cows and, you know, ponds. And so I just love nature and I just love living things. And I just really was interested in just life. Um, and then that somehow turned into love for science. And as I grew through science, I was just like the human body. And ultimately, medicine sounded like an amazing field to be in. And I, I'm pretty analytical. So it just was naturally for me to kind of take that path and move forward. I, I, love, I love to learn. Right. And um, where sports comes in, like I guess I like to learn. I'm, in a, I'm a bookworm. But then I have this other side of me that is competitive and likes games and I started playing soccer in sixth grade one of my friends um fathers coached the team and it was called Vessel Magic and we were pretty awesome and we traveled (laughs) over the northeastern seaboard and then in high school my knees started hurting me really bad and I had a growth spurt and I I was short until I was tall and I'm still not tall in the, in the volleyball arena, but I was definitely taller than average. And through a set of circumstances, I started playing volleyball and I loved it. And I, I mean, to be honest, Colgate just came around at the right time and they're like, we have amazing academics and athletics. And I was just like, but it's in upstate New York. And I was trying to get out of upstate New York and I wanted to go to a big city, but little did I know that I, I forgot about my roots in nature and that the campus is absolutely gorgeous. It's in the hills of upstate New York and what has come of that experience and the relationships that I have had have and continue to um, reach out to alumni. It, it's just, it was a perfect place for me. Oh, fantastic. Well, it's part of your journey and it's part of your history now. And it's, it's, you know, it offered so many things. Now, while you were there, you then decided, I'm going to go on to school. And how did you decide to go on to Duke and, and then, you know, really get into studying pre-med or, or science? So I was a neuroscience major at Colgate. It was extremely challenging trying to balance that with the lab classes and playing volleyball. There was a lot, but I think one of my strengths has always been the ability to just really know what I like to do and find a way to fit it all in. And knowing that I had always wanted to go into medicine, I always knew that postgraduate school was necessary and um, when it came time for me to potentially consider a volleyball as a career after school, while I kind of pursued that, I knew that I had always wanted to go back to school and practice medicine. I was introduced to the PA field, and I was able to be re- introduced to PAs across a bunch of different fields. I saw their work. It was tremendous. 
And one of them, she was an alumni of the Duke program. She's just like, it's amazing here. And so I set my sights high and prepared for it. And another tremendous opportunity where there's a ton of great people there that I network with to this day. And um, <laughs> gosh, I met, I met my late husband there. And so, and I got married there. So there's a wow. lot of warm memories that I have at Duke. Okay. My next question is, where do you meet your husband? And you said at Duke. So yeah. what year in school were you? I believe I was in my first year of school and I was at the school of business. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell myself here. Um, so they have networking Fridays at their school, which they do not invite the other schools to, oh. but I, I like to eat. I like to eat so I can always find food everywhere. So, um, I made friends in this, this place and he wasn't at school there. One of his best friends went to the university, um, or went to Fuqua. And so that is how I met him. So still keep in touch with, uh, a bunch of people from his network that are tremendously supportive, but, um, yes, it is there that we met and that's how we ultimately got married at, in, in the Duke gardens. Oh, wow. That is a really special place for you. So then life went on, you graduated. Did you get, did you get a job right away or did you move? What, what did you do next? So I stayed in North Carolina for a very short stint. Um, I realized that I really wanted to be closer to home. Um, I believe it was right around the time my mom had a little bit of health trouble and driving from North Carolina to upstate while it's possible was a lot further than it's not like get in the car and you're there soon. It's like get in your car and you're there eventually. Right. So yeah. I spent some time in the DC area after undergrad and before I went to, I, I mean, yes, after undergrad and before I went to grad school. And so going back to that same area after that time seemed like a natural uh, place to go because I kind of switched kind of fields and it got me within five hours of home, which for me is like, you can hop in a car and you're there the same right. day, not too far away. So yeah, that's where I went back to. Gotcha. Okay. And then your husband then found a job here. You are both here and then the diagnosis. So how did that come about? How, you know, you're a clinician at this point, you're also just a, a spouse and here you are and you got this diagnosis. How did you confront that? So there's a little bit more bouncing around in there. So okay. from <laughs> from nope. there, I moved to Chicago because oh. uh, he was in business school at um, at Northwestern. Gotcha. And then um, we moved to Indianapolis after the financial crash. And then we had a child there. And then we moved back to the East Coast because, once again, I mean, I was on the East Coast. And it was just like, well, I bet I met this guy. And then I was just like, well, I need to get back to the East Coast. So, yes, we made it back to Maryland. Gotcha. And that is when um, that is when we were just getting settled here. And uh, he developed some pain in his chest. 
left and uh, there was an x-ray that was done that showed a terrible mass in his chest that, you know, the workup ultimately was less than ideal. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, what was the end of your question? You asked me, you know, what did life look like at the time it happened? I mean, I had a one and a half year old and a two year old, no, a two and a half year old. Um, they were itty bitty still. And in my mind, I was just like, this is impossible. Like I saw the big, huge thing in his chest, but I'm like, I need another explanation outside of like anything life threatening. Right. And I mean, clearly ultimately the diagnosis is what it was, but even when we received the diagnosis, it was, I, I, I'm, you know, renewing my faith. I'm believing in, you know, this big fat miracle that seems impossible, but I, and this is where I had to take off my clinical hat. Like right. clinically, like it was doom and gloom on paper. Right. But if I take off that hat and I'm a wife and I, you know, have faith, I'm believing in the impossible. And when you believe in the impossible, you don't care how it really happens. There was a, there was a stretch where there was a good plan on paper, meaning um, he had his primary disease in his chest, and when the disease gets advanced, it means it's in different parts of your body, but the places where it was in distant parts of his body, there's like one little itty-bitty place. And so they went in with, you know, guns blazing and said, he looks like a picture of health on the outside. Let's figure out if we can, you know, fix this. So there was surgery, there was radiation, there was chemotherapy, and the hopes were that they could get him to a place where he's cancer-free, take care of it on all levels. Right. And I was working at one hospital, and my workload was pretty tremendous in terms of my schedule was all over the place, and we had to have these appointments. And even before this happened, he was pulling for me to get like a more nine to five type thing because I work in emergency medicine and my schedule's all over the map. Right. And I, in the midst of that, found an opportunity where I could have a more stable schedule, but it was after we had the diagnosis and I was like, I don't want to change anything. And changing everything meant, you know, changing health insurance and changing everything. Right. And I was willing to do that because we were embarking on a new journey. Like he was going to be cancer free. We were, we were praying for that miracle and hoping that this was it. And literally the first day of my job uh a couple of days prior to that he had a conversation with uh, one of his doctors about where he was talking to me about it that when he was reading bedtime stories that he was having difficulty saying the words he's like I just couldn't get them out I knew what they were but I couldn't say them mm. and um I got a lump in my throat and I'm like no way Oh, no. And ultimately that first day of um, work for me at my new hospital where it was, we were going to have a fresh new beginning, uh, <laughs> we, he was diagnosed with um, cancer in his brain. So that really, 
that was really tough to really stay hopeful at that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something. That was just like another gut punch. <laughs> Absolutely. And so there we began to fight, but like my clinical hat kind of went back on there for a second and there was a conversation we had. Like I didn't want to know how much time he had left. Because even when they ask you that question, you're just like, if you can define it, I don't want to hear it. And I didn't want to hear it, but he did. And I wanted him, I mean, as much as I was going through it too, it was him who was living it um, within in his body. And if he wanted the information, I wasn't going to ask them to withhold it on account of me. And... I'm I'm drawing a blank right now, but I want to say they said six to nine months at that time. And that was a drastic difference between when we had started the journey and, you know, it looked scary, but there was a plan and it was just like, now the plan is to prepare for the end. And neither one of us were prepared to (laughs) prepare for the end. We were both fighters. Like he he was also a student athlete. He played basketball. He was a professional athlete in Europe. He was this big, strong man. And he was just like, this is impossible and we'll fight together. And so I told him I would fight until it was ridiculous. And there were very many ridiculous moments in there. But um, I mean, even to the point of him being in the hospital on life support at the end of his life and just not and seeing his frail body and being like, God, any time now, like, and I don't want him healed in this capacity. I want like some big, ridiculous giant, you know, I want, can we rewind time? But um, yeah, it wasn't meant to be. And I sat in that moment for a long time. Well, and it's amazing how you were able to want juggle everything being a young mom, a mom with two children, having a plan, then the plan, of course, like you said early on in the conversation, the plan may not always be what you want it to be. And and yet you had a plan, the plan got disrupted again, and here you are at his bedside, and you're still hoping for this this grand miracle, something grand to happen. And yet you're able to juggle being the clinician and being the wife and just being the layperson and, and having hope. And that's amazing. That's tremendous. So you get to the point you're sitting at his bed and he ends up at, how long did it take? Did it take that six to nine months? Did it, you know, did it go more swiftly? Uh, he, it was literally like 364 days after we heard about the the disease in his brain that he passed. Wow. So he was a fighter and he had hope and then he passed. Now, my question is, here you are and you had these dreams together. Now, what did you do? Were you standing there in silence and, and or chaos or confusion? What was it like? What was going on with you at that time? There was so much happening. There was so much happening at the same time. There was just, I'll go back to that piece that I had. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, right after there was, you know, the conversation I had today was about, you know, treating his, you know, death as like a nuclear bomb that went off in my life. And just the, the, I don't know the technical terms, but the shock waves that come out from that, like everything in my life around me kind of just fell and was disintegrated in a way that I, I, I couldn't never have anticipated. And I felt like I was just standing there surreal. Like everything that I knew to be true was kind of gone. The things that I thought that I could lean on or who I could lean on were gone. Um, some of the, I, I mean, some of the pe- people couldn't withstand the pressure that came off of that, whether, you know, what that meant for them. And a lot of this is me projecting, you know, what that looked like, but that's what it felt like to me. Sure. And it felt like, everything had just imploded and I think the best advice I received at that time um, came from my pastor which was just like no sudden moves over this next year and because there were several times where I just wanted to just run and even with two babies I was just like I'm ready to run (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And um, I was just like, okay, I can do this. No sudden moves for one year. And that's not how he said it, but that's how I interpreted it. Sure. And in that time frame, like I, I had to go back to work. I mean, I had to go back to work pretty quickly, actually. And I mean, when I say that everything kind of nothing held up, like my short-term disability, it was denied that, life insurance, denied that you know, friendships, family, like everything just tablooey. And I just had to show up at work every day and, you know, drop my kids off at daycare on the way to work and pick them up and get everything done. And I'm grateful that I was able to get everything done because, you know, looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? Right. And um, knowing that, again, I mean, I keep pointing to God because I just know that during that time and all the things that happened as capable as he has made to be, like that was, that exceeded any abilities I had at the time or have. So, I mean, I, early on, I was just trying to stay the course and, you know, one moment that strikes me as a, a a pivotal moment for me is I was leaving, I was trying to, um, I don't know the right words. I was trying to appeal the life insurance denial and I had left the, the lawyer's office. And at that time there was just like, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. And so for me in that year where I was just trying to hold on and stay and keep going, knowing that, you know, there is something on the other side and like there's some relief. But for me, part of that was like, oh, they'll realize like, oh, we made a really big mistake. Like, of course you get this. And it didn't happen. And I got into my car just like sitting there in disbelief. And I turned on the ignition of the car and I had the radio playing and the words came out 
your life is not falling apart. It's falling into place. Oh, wow. And I was just like, wow. Wow. And I just, tears just poured out. Right. And, you know, the rest of the song was equally beautiful. And it was just amazing. Um, If I could even recall the lyrics, like, when you're on your knees and the answer seems so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I, again, when I felt like everything was just falling apart, it was just like, hold on, like there's better days ahead. And at that time, my word at that time was believe because I believed in God's plan for me, even, even, even after he passed, I said, if I'm going to believe in the plan, I have to believe in it 100%, you know, miracles aside, like there's a plan and I'm a part of it and I'm just going to have to stay in the course. And, um, <laughs> that's where I am. Wow. You know, Autumn, that is such a brilliant and beautiful story. And while you're sitting in the car that you can even pull from turning that ignition on to the radio being on and pull those words out and think, wow, there is a plan, you know, hold on. And, and, and that's the funny thing because many times people will look at somebody like you who, who has gone off to school, they created a profession for themselves. They had this beautiful family. They had this husband and they look at you and think she's got it all. She's got everything. She's strong. She can hold it together. She can juggle a million things. She's got it. And when things happen, like loss, and loss in several different ways, there can be loss of a human being, there could be loss of life, there could be loss of, you know, just loss of lots of different things. However, at that time, who because you were saying, you know, everything started getting a little fragmented, family, friends, you know, job, things, and you were still looked at as strong, you can keep it together. But who did you go to? Yes, a pastor for help. Did you have other people that you went to for support? Yes. I mean, I, I can't discount the community that I did have around me. I can't say that everybody ran. There are some very pivotal people that helped me through a very tremendous time. And and I think most often it came from places I didn't necessarily expect it. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it really does. It but, really does. And I see yeah, that. They were there. You know, and I, and I see that because sometimes the expectation that you have of other people that will come, you, you think that, They'll be like, oh, they'll be around. Yes, that person will be around. But we don't understand when it comes to such impactful things that sometimes those people may not know how to cope with such a strong situation, such an impactful situation. So sometimes you'd be surprised at the support you get from those exterior support systems. I That's spot on. And I believe that, yes, it comes out of a place of just, not really knowing what to do. And I'm, I'm sure I wasn't the, the easiest person. 
I mean, how do you deal with a strong-willed person <laughs> at a time when, you know, they're down? It's not like they're not strong-willed anymore. And right. I mean, I was, <laughs> I'm sure I was a handful. Right. And I, <laughs> so, I mean, I will laugh about it if other people laugh about it with me. Right. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's, and there's good, you're, you're absolutely right about that. You know, your personality doesn't change. Your personality is pretty set, you know, so that's not going to change. But what has changed is the factors around that and the factors around life. And sometimes they're just not logical. And sometimes you just have to be faithful, you know, and put your faith into something which, and have the courage to continue, which you did. And you've continued on and you're, you're still practicing a medical practitioner. You're still a mom. You have created a blog. You are still on your process of, of healing and going forward and creating your, your journey. So let's go forward and tell us about what you're doing now. What I'm doing now. Yes. All those things still exist. I am in a place where I am super excited about 2020. I mean, along the way, I mean, after that first year, I was just like, okay, I, I, I made it. So I'm going to start making decisions. And I was like, wow, I'm in no place to make a decision. And I thought that I was maybe like 80%. But then the next year would pass. And I was just like, wow, I was totally at 30% last year. I might be at like 75% now. And then another year would go by and be like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I finally feel like I'm at a place where I'm like, I, I'm there. And is this going to be a lifelong, I don't want to say issue, is this going to be something that I take with me? Yeah, like, I'm in a place where I'm just, I was having a conversation today, it was a beautiful conversation in that while I was going through it, I was looking at people going through different situations and how they were responding to them, and I was just like, wow, I would never do that, I could never do that, or, you know, that is, no. And I find myself in a place where I am doing some of the things that I never thought I would be doing. A lot of them, actually, most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning sitting here on a podcast with you, Summer, this was not something that was in my cards at all, ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Well, you're doing amazingly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, you know, it's just... It's so funny because when such a significant life change happens, you just don't know. Like you hear about it, you hear about it happening to other people, but when it happens to you, how you cope with it, how you work through it, how, what your journey looks like on the other side. And I laughed earlier while you were saying I was 80%, I was 30%. And I'm thinking, look at her, look at her, like breaking it down. And breaking it down to percentages. A logical lady. So it's like <laughs> so it you know, breaking it down. And I think you just don't know. And yet here you are, you're standing, you're doing things that you wouldn't have imagined you, you would have done before. And it's, special and amazing and spectacular. And you're having the courage to continue and continue your journey 
creating it the way you want it to look, the way you want it to be. And that is so exciting. It's such an exciting time for you. It is an exciting time. And so much so that like, if I can encourage other people to affect change, and when I say affect change, I mean like, meaning exert on other people to push and be different and get out of their comfort zones or pull themselves out of it because again, I never would have done this if not for what had happened to me. But if it had to happen and I'm here and I'm like, wow, I see life so much differently now. So much. And I have to share and I have to give and I have to encourage because I think I think often we take this life for granted. And I look back at what I had hoped to do for myself and I was pretty selfish. Like the fact that, oh, I got my little family, I'm set, I'm good. Let's just ride out into the sunset. Like we have a big, huge world out there. And in that world, it's, it's full of people going through a variety of circumstances of a variety of magnitude that impact them in a variety of ways. And we're living life like this cookie cutter life like that is what the end goal is and it's and it's not it's not it's bigger than that and it's about bigger than all of us so if we can find a way to shake it up and wake up and and do a little bit more living and and that's where my I'm, I'm started speaking about like urgency and intention because you know tomorrow's not promised and we're all here for a reason and we all have a beautiful amazing story and it's about how you want to shape it and one of the funniest things that I've thought about in this process is I am pretty tough and I've never broken any bones and I'm kind of upset by the fact that as a kid I never broke any bones I'm like I didn't go hard enough I totally was <laughs> way too reserved <laughs> as a child and in my career, I'm like, I did not push myself enough. Oh. So I pushed myself enough, but I mean, <laughs> so now Seriously. I'm going to push myself in a way that I'm just like, what do I have to lose? I, I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. How, how, how high is this bar going to get? <laughs> you know? I don't, wow. You know, and I, and I love your journey. I love what you're saying. I love about that you're talking about intentionality and not taking life for granted. And so here we are, we've heard your, your story and it's so impacting and it's so, it's so inspirational and you're writing, you write a blog, right? So you have a blog, you're right. You're going to write a book. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. And, and what's your timeline? What are you looking at for that book? No, that's completely fine. Cause this is where the irony is. Like, you know, I'm pretty hard charging and I like yeah. checking boxes. And last year I was just like, I'm, I'm so getting this book done this year. Absolutely. No question. Even to the start of the third quarter, I was just like, okay, how many days are there left? this book is going to be how many thousand words and I'm going to have to write this many a day and first draft done. And then I decided, oh, I didn't decide anything actually. I was introduced to this 
you just opened a can of worms. <laughs> um, I was introduced to the series called um, Crazy Face. And ultimately, what it showed me is that my hopes, like right after, you know, and first beginning this blog, I was just like, yes, I'm going to show my girls that anything is possible. And I was saying the words, but I wasn't really believing it all the way at that time. And so as that relates to my book, I realized that at some point, like, I mean, there's many ways to publish books nowadays. And I had kind of pigeonholed myself to say, I'm just going to get it done so I can check that box. And I didn't have the faith that I could hope for something bigger, which is a book deal. People are like, how are you going to get a book deal? Like, who are you? Like, you haven't ran a book. Like, you have no background. You work in emergency medicine. Like, writing isn't even your thing. And I'm like, I know. That is what is going to be so amazing about this. So Right. (laughs) I am preparing for this book deal that is going to happen. And it is going to happen. And so that is the timeline. Whenever that materializes is when it's going to happen. Right. Well, that's a good timeline. And also, as time goes by, the story just gets richer. And so you'll do it in your time. But I want to thank you, you know, Autumn, for being on the show today. You've had the courage to tell your story. We've talked about some amazing changes you went through, you know, your resiliency. You are a phenomenal woman. But I do have a last question for you. And you've already given so much wisdom here, but I'm going to ask you to sum this up. If you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, how would you sum it up and what would you leave us with? I have to leave you with my tagline because I truly believe it. I really do with all my heart. Like my hope is that we somehow find the urgency, each and every one of us, to live this life according to our dreams and our purpose. I love it. That's my hope. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Autumn, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. I am truly honored to be here. Thank you for having me. It's been tremendous. And you've you've made me dig a lot deeper than I've had in a while. So thank you for the look back to just be more appreciative for, for where I am right now. I really do. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having the courage to join me on the Core Women podcast today. If you'd like to know more about Autumn, please follow her on Instagram at Roadmap to Your Dreams and on her YouTube page and at Autumn McKenzie. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 